We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Yes, indeed. It is the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast or whatever Kevin's calling it. But it is not Mr. Sheehan. This might be the first time ever he is not the main host since this podcast originated. Uh, I remember a couple years back when it all got going and uh, I told Kevin, He's going to love doing podcasts, and that's what he's going to do. And ultimately, that's uh, what he did. Uh, but he's taking a little time off, and we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, I am Tim Murray, for those who don't know. Uh, once upon a time, a D.C. guy, now living out here in Las Vegas. And are we going to get into commander news today? We are not. Uh, the NCAA tournament gets going on Thursday. It is my favorite two days of the sports calendar I promise over the next handful of days, we will talk commander news, which I still can't say properly, but let's get into the NCAA tournament. A good friend of mine and an absolute star when it comes to college basketball reporting and knowledge is Jim Root, and he has joined me on my show uh, countless times. I have forced him to come in studio. You could follow him on Twitter at Second Chance Points. He's part of the three-man weave uh, which is just incredible, incredible stuff at 3MW underscore CBB. And here's the kicker. I felt like we were going to have to race through this podcast because I did not pony up to get the, you know, pro Zoom recording. But Jim, the guy that he is, let me use his. So now we could go for hours upon hours, which uh, he doesn't know he's going to do. Jim, what's up, brother? Oh man, not much. We are so, <clears throat> so close. We're under 24 hours from games tipping off. Yeah. You know, for, for uh, people that aren't familiar, the weave tends to ramble sometimes about college hoops. So we can't have the 40 minute limit on our podcast. We need to have the, the premium one that we can just go off into hours and hours and hours. Like you said, well, I'm excited for people in DC and uh, all across the world who uh, have not heard the uh, velvet tones of Jim root before, or have written, uh, writ, uh, read his uh, written work but uh, he is uh he's the man i've uh, i've learned a lot from him we've had a lot of good shows had a lot of fun and uh, no pressure on jim at time of recording we are recording this on wednesday uh he on my show the nightcap on vsin is nine for his last nine jim no pressure at all brother you're just nine to know winning everyone money yeah the expectations are going to be high for a new crowd if i start cold who boy i think the the haters will come knocking all right well this isn't a exclusive uh sports betting podcast a lot of people listening are just filling out their brackets you know want to know something about some of these teams should i pick them to win an upset you know you know what's going to help me in my bracket pool so you know we're gonna have some fun with it and uh look i i pride myself on knowing a lot about college basketball but uh, it's nothing compared to the knowledge that oozes from the veins of uh, of Jim Root. But just uh, just say it. I'm a freak. I get you are. It. I you're get a bit it. of a freak, but we love <laughs> we love it in that regard. We love uh, the freaky nature that you are. Uh, let's go big picture first. We're going to kind of bounce around. I want to do some, you know, upsets and we'll do a little history there uh, because everyone loves the, the 12 over five. But maybe it's the 13 over four this year, the 14 over three or hell, we had a 15 over two last year uh, in Oral Roberts. So. Uh, in the transfer portal, you know, you might not know where particular players are at, but I like Kansas and it's scaring and we're allowed to curse on this podcast. I won't, I won't you know, I, I won't go old school and just like throw F-bombs out there, but it's scaring the shit out of me. 
Jim, that everybody loves Kansas. All right. So Kansas was a team that in November, I put in a future on a 14 to one. Uh, I love the fact that they went to the transfer portal. They got Remy Martin in addition to the pieces that they brought back, right? David McCormick, uh, you know, the, uh, the kid from Kansas, Braun uh, or Brown, however you properly pronounce his last name. And then Oche Abaji ends up winning player of the year in the big 12. So I like Kansas. I like their draw. Um, and uh, I'm going to ride with my future there, 14 to one. So big picture, you're a big Arizona guy. Tell people why you've been on Arizona really early. You and I went to uh, the uh, the Roman Classic here in Vegas back in November, and we watched them just manhandle Michigan. And it was eye-opening to me, but uh, you've been on this Arizona team, but certainly some some injury concerns. So where are you on Arizona heading into the dance? Yeah, I, they, they. You mentioned the seeing them in Vegas. They just popped. Like you, you see them in person, you're just like, "Holy cow! This team is huge. Like every position, they're they're massive." Uh, and I was planning to pick them to win it all. I picked them in December. I had revised predictions on our three man weave podcast edition, uh, in the in the mid season, and I went with Arizona. But entering the tournament, there's a little bit of concern about Kirk Kreisa, their point guard. Uh, Estonian, very uh, swaggerific. This man has confidence that oozes out of his ears. The dude was throwing his Crocs into the crowd after they won the Pac-12 championship. Yep. I mean, he's going to do everything. He'll, he's going to shush the opposing team's crowd. He's, he's going to like all kinds of hand signals, all kind of chirping against the opponent. And I think that swagger matters. It, it kind of fuels some of the, the, uh, the attitude of that Arizona team. Uh, and his ankle right now kind of looks like a grapefruit. Uh, it's very, it's purple. He's posting like daily updates, pictures of it, which is wild. Uh, he's trying to get back. I don't think he will play in this opening weekend. And I have some concerns about the Sweet 16 weekend too. So if he's not back by then, maybe they're a little bit more vulnerable. Uh, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I have them getting by that round. I have them getting to the title game and, and losing to Gonzaga. But um his ankle is certainly a concern if you're an Illinois or Houston fan and, and you want to get them out of your bracket. I have a feeling he won't play that weekend. Uh, so a potential upset there in the South if you're not as high as I am on Arizona. Uh, skilled, they beat UCLA in the Pac-12 title game without him. They've shown plenty of upside, but uh, his shot making and his his attitude, I think, generally matters quite a bit for those Wildcats. Well, let's get to Gonzaga. Um, I, I I mean, I love, I've always loved Gonzaga. Maybe not always, but for the, for the past handful of years, uh, I, I think the doubters are just morons to an extent. I mean, this team has made the sweet 16, what six consecutive tournaments. Uh, they don't lose early on. Uh, but last year in the national championship, there was, uh, you know, Drew Timmy still probably has nightmares about he, how he was just abused by the Baylor bigs. So they lose a lottery pick in Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert. Now shout out to the wizards on the wizards, uh, Joel Ayayi, he is gone, but I, I think I, I asked Seth Greenberg name drop on the show, on a show on VEASAN a couple weeks ago. Hey, what, what makes Gonzaga? What's different this year about Gonzaga? Why can they win the championship? And he said, because Baylor doesn't exist from last year. I was like, all right, I guess that makes sense. So give me the elevator pitch on Gonzaga and, and, and walk us through that region. Because I, I think there are actually, I felt like Jim, the, the bracket makers did them no favors. I think if Memphis gets past Boise State, they could be, with their athleticism, uh, they could be an issue. I think Arkansas, with their talent level and just kind of their havoc, could be a tricky spot. And then they've played Texas Tech before. They beat Texas Tech. But I believe, Jim, Texas Tech held Gonzaga to their lowest point total of the season, you know, way back in December. So, you know, walk us through the West region and Gonzaga and, uh, you know, some tricky spots that they could run into. Yeah, so Gonzaga, again, number one overall seed, same as last year, uh, viewed as the top team, but they're not undefeated like they were last year. They don't maybe have that weight on their shoulders. And, and another key difference, uh, along with Baylor not existing, which is a, a very relevant note for Mr. Greenberg, uh, they can win in different ways this year. They, they were an offensive juggernaut last year whose defense was good, but not elite. Uh, and this year they have a security blanket at the rim. Chet Holmgren, monster shot blocker, one of the best rim protectors in the entire sport. Uh, a potential lottery pick, probably top three pick, uh, honestly, and, and getting a lot of love there. I'm sure people have heard of him. He, he's a unique looking player. Uh, he's kind of the anti-Zion in his, in his uh, figure and his stature, but 
he, he's, he's a game changer for them. Adds the defensive element to go along with their already deadly offense. But yeah, the region is difficult. And like you talked about Kansas, they're getting a lot of love because of their region. And I find Kansas region much weaker than this West for Gonzaga. Uh, you talked about Memphis being a, a potential upset team. UConn, Arkansas, a tough four five. And then they've already lost to Alabama, who's in the region. They've already lost to Duke, who's in that region. So it, it is no favors for the Bulldogs here. I have, like I said, I have them coming out, but it, it is it is no easy walk in the park to get there. Um, there there's some decent upset potential with a team like Vermont. I think Alabama's a, a high variance team. So if you're looking at Rutgers or Notre Dame, the winner of that game Wednesday night, I think's got a decent chance. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just straight down the line, two, three, four, five six and then down to the the nine seed with memphis there are teams with high ceilings that can challenge gonzaga in this region well this is a you know dc based podcast and there's no maryland uh there's no georgetown there's no virginia virginia tech's in it we'll get to them uh in a little bit but let's put some smiles on people's faces duke is the two seed in this region um i i'm very angry at duke um I had a uh i had a big play on them to win the acc tournament the entire bracket broke perfectly uh, how I had expected because the ACC sucks, but uh, defending three pointers seems to be an issue. You know, you set a screen, you, you, you step back and, Oh, uh, we're just going to let a Wofford transfer bang threes in our, you know, top three picks. eye hole uh, to steal a line from SVP. So let's, uh, let's take a look at Duke and uh, let's make people happy. When does Duke lose? I think they could lose to Davidson because of uh, the susceptibility to the three, at least with what we saw in the ACC tournament. Uh, Michigan State certainly could bang with them. And then if they get a showdown with Texas Tech, that team, in my opinion, Jim, is nowhere near tough enough to battle with that Texas Tech team who is just a bunch of MFers. Yeah, the, Duke, they showed the high ceiling throughout the year. I mean, the win over Kentucky early, the win over Gonzaga early. And then kind of up and down in ACC play. And for a while, it seemed like, all right, when, they, when they're motivated, when it's a big spot for them, they'll get up and they'll play their best. But that was that theory uh, that I was supportive of kind of got exposed down the stretch. Uh, taking on UNC at home, the, the ultimate get-hype spot. They, they lost in Coach K's final home game. Then the ACC tournament, as you said, just got out-executed by Virginia Tech. So I think there's a lot more vulnerability to this team than I initially had expected. Defensively, they should be amazing, considering the athletic talent, the, the pro talent that they have on this roster, the size, the strength. They should be incredible on that end, and they're just not. They're really flawed. They lose focus. They lose shooters, like you said. They lose cutters constantly. Um, so a team like Davidson with their offensive execution – and then, yeah, Texas Tech, if they can score enough against Duke's flawed defense, uh, the, the Red Raiders have the best paint defense in the country, and no one scores in the paint against them. So if you force Duke to hit a whole bunch of jump shots, you could get a bricky night from Paolo and Trevor Keels, and that's how you beat that team. So, yeah, I, I, I think Duke has a tough draw, and I'm, I'm souring on them quite a bit. I think they are a, a fade and a, and a team I'm picking to lose early. I actually have them losing to Davidson, so I haven't gone so out real I. early. Yep. Yeah, I do too. I, I just, you know, the, and the Davidson game uh, against uh, Richmond in the A-10 championship, they got bullied down low. I don't know how they lost that game being up, you know, what, five in the final 80 seconds and uh, they didn't turn the ball over and yet they lose, uh, but they got bullied a little bit. So that makes me worry, but I think the execution, like you said, I mean, this Duke team feels like the Duke teams that bowed out early, whether it was to, you know, Mercer or Lehigh, or I'm trying to remember uh, like a seven ten situation uh, that they got bounced in, in recent memory. But this just feels to me, I mean, hell, it feels a little bit like, you know, remember when Zion, RJ Barrett and, uh, and Cam Reddish were on that squad. They, they should have lost to VCU or excuse me, uh, UCF in that second round. Uh, they got very lucky against Virginia Tech in Washington, D.C. I was sitting courtside for that one. You know, they throw a lob pass. It goes through the fingertips of a Virginia Tech player. And then ultimately, they lost to Michigan State in the Elite Eight. It, it feels like, you know, and, and you're looking over on the sideline, and who am I to criticize a dude who's won five titles and is arguably the greatest coach of the modern era in Coach K? But I don't know, man. It, it just it feels like they've got six dudes 
Uh, a couple guys from the D.C. area, Trevor Keels and, uh, and Jeremy Roach. So a uh, shout out to them, Paul the Sixth. But um, yeah, I, I just this team seems very vulnerable and it feels like the what they have been in recent years, which was get some of those big premier wins, Kentucky, Gonzaga, and then kind of fade down. As other teams have gotten better, it feels like Duke has maybe stayed the same. Yeah, which is weird because they're young. They have every right to get better. Like when, when you're bringing in a bunch of freshmen, you should mesh. You should figure out your your pecking order down the stretch. That's not what they do. Uh, I, I think to to be really blunt and brutal about it, it feels like from an X and O perspective, Coach K retired like five years ago. Uh, right. Just it just has not been the same as when he was cultivating teams and developing over the course of three or four years. The one and done. It's tougher to implement the the same discipline and style like i think villanova embodies it more than duke does now with with culture and and how everybody just improves year over year and that's that, that's changed duke's floor and ceiling uh, that they're capable of losing to mid-major teams now because every so often they'll lay a stinker uh, i think they they blow away fullerton in the first round but yeah I, I, from then on it gets dicey for the blue devils all right let's uh let's jump to the east region and uh, just kind of power through this one um you know, we'll, we'll get to some of our, our favorite plays of the first round and, you know, break down some of the mid-majors. But I, I wanted to kind of do a just a, a droid look uh, a little bit at the bracket as people are filling it out. Uh, who do you have coming out of the East? And uh, is Baylor, in your opinion, the most vulnerable one seed uh, in, uh, in the field? I have Kentucky coming out of the, the region. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably the more popular choice, I believe, for betting odds, they're the favorite to win yes. uh, the region. Uh, and so I get that. Um, I think the ceiling's really high with the with the Wildcats. You look at the game they, they played at Kansas was, was one of the best performances of the season by any team. Uh, and the draw, while it's not mega friendly, I think that 7-10 matchup with Murray State or San Francisco is tough. Uh, I'm not high on Purdue at all because of their lack of defensive ability. Uh, and so then getting through there to the elite eight. Okay. I, I like the draw for Kentucky, but on, on the top half, yeah, you mentioned Baylor. I, I think there is some level of vulnerability to them. I think maybe it's been overplayed by some of the, uh, the, the talking heads or, or what have you just because they're missing two pieces, LJ Cryer and Jonathan Chamo Chachua both out with injuries, but this version, this seven man version that they have right now has won some huge games. They, they beat Kansas. They beat, I think they beat Texas tech on the road. Like this, this seven man team is every bit of a one seed. It's not like they won all those games and then lost the guys like this version is good. Uh, I do have them going out in the sweet 16, but it's, it's not like a shade at Baylor. Uh, I just, I love St. Mary's. I can't help it. Ooh. I'm, a, I'm a Gales man. All right, let's stop it right there. So you've got St. Mary's over UCLA. I think a lot of people filling out their brackets will say, I need, I need a one to go out. And, and look, normally we can't have, you can't have chalk. I remember my junior year of college, uh, we had one dude in our, 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 you know, our house and he, uh, you know, doesn't watch any college basketball picks all four one seeds. We're like, you idiot. Don't you know that all four one seeds have never made the tournament on uh, that final four? And of course, that year, all four one seeds do make the final four. But normally, you're going to get some upsets. You're going to get a one seed, maybe losing the opening weekend. Uh, we saw it last year with Illinois losing to Loyola. Um, but give us, uh, yeah, St. Mary's. All right. So, St. Mary's, you got them beating UCLA, beating Indiana, obviously, in the first round. Uh, I would, what about St. Mary's intrigues you that you have them going all the way to the Elite Eight? Yeah, I mentioned Villanova's culture and discipline. St. Mary's is very much the same way. Like all these guys have been in the program for multiple years. Their coach is a wizard, Randy Bennett. I mean, they they beat Gonzaga by 10 or 15 points, controlled an entire game against the number one team in the country. So the ceiling is high with them. Their point guard, Tommy Cousy's in his sixth year at St. Mary's. He has plenty of experience. He kind of looks like a, a mid-major Steve Nash these days with how he keeps his dribble alive on pick and rolls. Uh, so I, they, they never beat themselves. They're so disciplined defensively. They're well-coached. I just think beating them is going to take a really talented team also playing a great game. And while UCLA or Baylor could get there, uh, I, I just I, I like this Gales team. I've seen them in person too many times and kind of fallen in love with them. So I, I believe they can make that run and maybe the offensive firepower is not there, but 
I trust the defense, and I think they make enough shots to advance to the Elite Eight. All right, so you got Gonzaga, you got Kentucky. St. Mary's a bit of surprise there in the Elite Eight. Uh, the only region we haven't hit on, I mentioned Kansas. I have Kansas coming out of the Midwest. Uh, I've got way too much money invested in Kansas. I bet them to win the Midwest region at plus 210. I have them to win the national championship at 14 to 1. Uh, I put even put a flyer on uh, Kentucky and Kansas to meet in the national championship at 30 to 1, Jim. So what could possibly go wrong? Walk me through the Midwest. I was having a, uh, a discussion with a buddy of mine who's a listener of this podcast. Shout out, Kennedy. And, uh, you know, he's saying, I don't trust Kansas. I'm like, okay. You know, he's a Hall of Fame coach and has a national championship, but you're going to trust Iowa and Fran McCaffrey, who's never made it out of the first weekends. <laughs> but I, I mean, look, I bet on Iowa to win the Big Ten. They're hotter than ever. Uh, they've got a, you know, a legit stud and Keegan Murray. Great last name. And uh, so you walk us through the Midwest region, in your opinion, who comes out of there and is Kansas vulnerable to the San Diego state Creighton winner, the Iowa situation, you know, how do you see the Midwest region? When I first saw it, I wanted to pick nobody. That was my choice. (laughs) I was like, do I have to pick a final four team from this region? Uh, There's five teams in the South. I would take over Kansas over Auburn. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not how the bracket works. So I have to come up with somebody. Uh, yeah, Kansas is a team that I, I was low on down the stretch. Uh, I also have a preseason feature on them, so I'd love it if they made the run. Uh, but the, the couple games against TCU, I wasn't very impressed with. The home game against Texas to clinch a, a tie with the Big 12 title, they went to overtime. That was dicey. So despite the run in the Big 12 tournament, I wasn't immediately enthused to back them. Uh, I do have them going out to Iowa in the Sweet 16. And you the Hawkeyes... Son of a gun. <laughs> the Hawkeyes are an interesting one because, yeah, the, the narrative around Fran, Fran McCaffrey, their coach, said he's never made a Sweet 16, never made a second weekend. I, I, those narratives matter until they don't. Like, I, for a while, there was the Tony Bennett can't win in the tournament with his style. And Jay I rebelled, Wright. You know, Jay Wright as well, very much so. I rebelled against those narratives, so I feel bad or, or hypocritical citing that one with Fran, because I also think this team is different. Uh, it's built differently. They, they have a lot more positional versatility. The Murrays are the twins are, are kind of unlike any player she's ever really had there. So I, I like that aspect of them. I like they have a, a pretty strong bench. Tony Perkins has emerged off the bench for them. So I, I trust this Iowa version more perhaps to my own demise, but uh, I, I'm with Iowa there. And then, I just begrudgingly shrugged and have Auburn winning the region because I think the bottom half of the Midwest is, is bleak. It is bleak. I'm not real high on any of those teams. No, I mean, LSU fired its coach. Iowa state has scored what 40 or less in like three of the last four games. Wisconsin is the luckiest team in the country and their best player may not be hundred percent healthy. Colgate, we'll get to them later. Uh, I'm in love, but maybe too in love. So I'm sure they'll lose by 70. Uh, USC's a fraud, in my opinion. Uh, Miami, incredibly well coached. Um, but, you know, I, I, they gave Duke a test, but how good is Duke? Uh, I could see Miami beating Auburn, maybe. Is that crazy? Miami to beat Auburn? I, I don't think so. I think either USC or Miami could. Um, but the, the thing with USC is they're like kind of a worse version of Auburn, like all about their paint, have dicey guards. Uh, Miami, though, has like the rock, paper, scissors edge where they're, they're all backcourt. Uh, my concern with them is they, they're, they're guards that like to play downhill and drive. And then you have to go into Walker Kessler's waiting Redwood Forest of arms at the rim, which is which is a little bit of a problem for for the Hurricanes. So, you know, there was a point in the year, Tim, where, you know, everybody was high on Auburn. We were kind of in love with them. I was. Yep, same. One. Same. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, the the guards, the erratic guard play has come up and, and been an issue. Uh, they, they are willing to take any shot you will give them as defense. And if you're giving them 30 footers, they're going to take them. And very, very frequently, those do not go in. So they're sometimes a tough team to trust. That entire bottom of the bracket, like if you told me, any of those eight teams are in the elite eight, including Jacksonville state. <laughs> I would not skewer you for being outrageous. All right. Let's uh, let's take a quick break uh, with, uh, with Jim root here. Uh, we're filling in for, for Sheehan. Uh, he is out playing golf somewhere in, uh, in California right now. But before we hit the break, uh, Jim, your final four is Gonzaga out of the West, 
Kentucky out of the East, Arizona out of the South, and Iowa or Auburn out of the Midwest? I went with Auburn, and I feel exactly not good at all about it. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Uh, I tried to be different. I'm going Texas Tech out of the uh, West. I couldn't have too much chalk. Uh, Kentucky out of the East, Arizona out of the South, and Kansas out of the Midwest. As my dog starts to bark, let's take a break here on, uh, on the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back on the podcast. We've uh, we've done the overview. Now let's... Uh, I want people to sound smart when they're talking to their friends uh, with the bracket and, uh, and to know some names. And there's no one who could point these names out better than Jim. Uh, once again, at second chance points on Twitter. So there's a couple guys that I'm already in love with. Um, and, you know, I just, I think back of some of the most infamous names, right? God, sham God uh, back in, what was it? 97 or 98 for Providence. Uh, obviously Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, they play for UConn, but you look at Thomas Walkup, my ginger brother from Stephen F. Austin a couple years ago, uh, R.J. Hunter with his big shots. So names to know. Um, I love Jelly Walker. Great nickname. Jordan Walker. Um, he is, you know, averaging, he averaged over 30 points a game in the CUSA tournament. He plays for UAB. And I have become, Jim, obsessed with teams and players who can shoot the three. And feeling like that's the teams I want to pick to make upsets here. And Jelly Walker has hit, I think, 115 three-pointers this year. So that is the guy I have already got a man crush on. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't crush me in that regard. You know, who are some names in the mid-major world? Uh, Maybe some, you know, down transfers or just, just microwave type of players that, you know, come Saturday morning. Did you see what this guy did on Friday night? So who were some of those names, Jim, that people should know? And and maybe as we'll, we'll get into the upset opportunities here uh, in just a moment, maybe that'll lead them to, uh, to that upset. Yeah. I mean, Jelly Walker's the, the first one worth mentioning. It, there is no shyness to his game at all. As soon as he's across half court, he is willing to bomb away and he can make it. His, his range extends to, Basically, as soon as he steps on the wood floor, he can knock it down. So he, he's a great one to mention. Uh, Baylor Shireman is a 6'6", kind of point guard wing for South Dakota State. Big-time playmaker, but also a great shooter. He beat Washington State this year on a buzzer-beating step-back rainbow three. It's kind of an iconic shot uh, for, for South Dakota State fans. He is definitely capable of, of doing something late against that Providence Friars team to, to make people remember him. Uh, I mentioned Tommy Cousy for St. Mary's. I, I think he's a guy that people are going to really enjoy watching. He's just so crafty with the ball. He's got the shaved head. He's a 24, 25-year-old, sixth-year senior. Uh, so he's a fun story. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of these mid-major teams, Tim, you mentioned you like shooting. There are, I think, six or seven double-digit seeds that are in the top 20 nationally in three-point percentage. They can all hit shots. Uh, the, the other one I'll plug here, despite having Auburn in the final four, uh, Jacksonville state, I, I think is a very fun team. They, I will be betting them first to 15 points. I, I think they're going to get out to a nice start against Auburn. Uh, they've got a couple really great shooters. Darian Adams is their leading scorer. Uh, highest usage guy can knock it down from deep. So I, I'm, I'm curious if maybe he gets on radars a little bit that, that bottom right 
15 seed. That's where we saw Max Aismas emerge from last season. So uh, perhaps we get another one of those. Um, bouncing around the rest of the bracket, maybe one or two more names. Uh, at Chattanooga, uh, David Jean Baptiste. We call him Jean the Baptiste here at Three Man Weave. Uh, he's the one the who hit savior. The, yeah, he hit the buzzer yep. beater. Got us our uh, SoCon future. Yep, hit the game winner for Chattanooga. Uh, I think Illinois is a tough matchup for them, which is a bummer. But uh, Chattanooga's b- both their guards, Malachi Smith and Gene Baptiste, are big time shot makers. Uh, and I think if they are able to knock off Illinois, I think the mocks and those uh, those guards are going to get a lot of love publicly. So I think that's a that's another team to watch. All right, let's uh, let's dive into because you know how it is with people filling out their brackets. They they immediately gravitate towards the five twelve, and now the four thirteen, and even the fourteen three. Uh, and hell, last year as you mentioned, Max Asmus, elite scorer uh, from Oral Roberts, uh, they beat Ohio State. So let's let's look at some of these potential upset spots uh, historically. Uh, I did a little little homework for the uh, podcast. So historically, Jim, the 12 over five has been the most uh, potent since 2001. We have only had three NCAA tournaments where a 12 did not beat a five. We had three 12s win in 2019, three 12s win in 2014, three 12s win in 2013. Uh, Oregon State was the only 12 last year that won and uh, hell, they made a hell a heck of a run all the way to the uh, Sweet 16. So, Elite sorry, eight. Elite Eight. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, they beat uh, Loyola right in the uh, in the uh, Sweet 16. So, all right, let's uh, let's go just in order uh, of these five uh, twelve matchups. Um, UConn, New Mexico State. Uh, this is a, a point spread of around six and a half or seven. Uh, New Mexico State is a team that people have seen often. And uh, I know you're not a big believer in this matchup for the Aggies uh, to beat UConn. Yeah, unfortunately. And New Mexico State has been in the tournament a bunch. They've never won a game, uh, but they are extremely well coached. Chris Jans knows what he's doing on both ends of the floor. Just their big edge in their conference was physicality and owning the paint and having one lethal wing score in Teddy Allen. And that's that's all a problem against UConn. UConn's bigger. They're more physical. And they have multiple strong wings they can throw at Allen. So I'm not sure New Mexico State gets there. Maybe on the point spread, sure. But um, I'm probably going to end up being kind of a stick in the mud on some of these 5-12s. Uh, <laughs> you like, like you the said. fives, man. You're you're big five. You're big believer in a lot of these fives. Yep. I like the fives, but then the, the 13s are where I, I, I'm hunting some of the upsets. But, yeah, I, I do think UConn uh, just is a tough matchup for New Mexico State there. All right. Then we'll roll through these. You've already given your uh... – your thoughts on St. Mary's, you're a big believer in the Gales, have them in the Elite Eight. Uh, does Indiana advancing over Wyoming uh, make it trickier for uh, St. Mary's? I'll be honest, uh, fully transparent, I immediately bet St. Mary's last night. Um, Indiana has got to travel to Portland, Oregon for a Thursday game after winning in Dayton. Um, you know, Jackson Davis is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, but I, I just like Randy Bennett with extra time to prepare. I think that's an unfair advantage uh, to, uh, to this team. So, uh, I will go, uh, I will go St. Mary's as well, but let's run through that St. Mary's, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of mirror images of each other. Uh, they're, they're both very, uh, prone to playing through the post. They have a lot of size, a lot of just like tenacity defensively. Both these teams scrap. We saw what Indiana did to Wyoming forcing so many turnovers on Tuesday night. Uh, I just think St. Mary's is the better version of that. They're, they're less prone to mistakes than Indiana's guards. You mentioned the, the prep time advantage. Uh, Indiana arrived at like 7 a.m. Pacific today, flew, basically took a red eye out west. I think that's going to mess with their sleep schedule, their practice schedule. Uh, like you said, the prep time issue is, is a concern. So I, I believe St. Mary's will just have too good of a game plan, and, and they're too smart and experienced to drop that one. All right. Houston UAB, you and I differ a little bit here. Uh, I like UAB. Uh, I think Houston, now they proved me wrong uh, in the AAC. I didn't bet against them. Um, but, I, you know, we've been saying the same thing and we've kind of been wrong. Um, you know, eventually Marcus Sasser and uh, Traymond Mark being out, 
going to hurt them. Marcus Sasser, for those who don't know, preseason, you know, first team all AAC, uh, big time scorer, leading scorer before he went down to injury. And uh, he's been out for, you know, pretty much the whole second half of the season. UAB, I just feel like with a guy like Jelly Walker, they could go nuts. Uh, the, the, the Ken Palms of the world love UAB. Uh, if they weren't playing Houston, uh, you know, they might be, you know, a favorite uh, in this spot. They're 46 in Ken Palm. They're three ranks ahead of Providence, who we'll get to a little bit later uh, there. But, man, the net, Bark Torvik, Ken Palm, all those places, they love Houston. I took eight and a half with UAB. Am I crazy? Oh, you're not crazy. Uh, I, I may gravitate towards towards Houston there a little bit, but. Uh, not crazy at all. I, the, this is like one of the best four teams Houston's played all season because uh, the American is is such a weak conference this year. But this was a little like UConn, New Mexico State to me where, uh, and I guess uh, I said this about St. Mary's, Indiana, where a lot of these 512s feel like it's a rock versus a rock. This isn't a, a rock versus paper or, or scissors versus paper. Like the, the, These two teams are so similar in identity they want to force turnovers get after you defensively get after the offensive glass and i just feel like houston's a superior version of that uh, they challenge threes uh, every single season their defensive three-point percentage is below 30 which usually that's a tough stat to control but the way they challenge the way they bother people on the perimeter uh, i think that's a concern for the blazers and one little matchup nugget uh, is that jelly walker the guy we talked about gave a lot of love to for uab he was in the American. He was at Tulane playing against Kelvin Sampson in Houston last year. So he probably has a little bit of a scouting report, some familiarity with him. Um, so I, I do think Houston advantage, uh, advances, but that spread is difficult. Eight and a half is, is, a, is a high number for Houston to cover. Let's go Blazers. Um, all right. So final five twelve. you have not, you don't see much upset potential. Uh, Richmond, red hot. Uh, this is an interesting pairing because neither team gets rest advantage both teams played four games in four days i kind of like what the committee did to pair these two against each other in iowa and richmond uh richmond needed to win in order to get in uh is this a situation i don't know if you've done that kind of the historical look but is this a situation where you know maybe richmond is is running out of gas winning those four games in four days essentially saving their coach's job his wife is you know, weeping in the stands. Um, you know, they, they've got some dudes. I, I like this Richmond team. I was a little bit disappointed the past couple of years in their performances, but, you know, here they are. They are uh, a team that loves to get steals with Gilliard, um, but it feels like Iowa is just playing the best that they've ever played. So this does feel like a tricky spot for Richmond. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give two perspectives here. On the Iowa side, yeah, they've, they've been incredible. They're rolling Richmond. Uh, it's, I, I feel like there could be an element of we're happy we made it here for Richmond. Um, even if they'll never say that, uh, I just I'm concerned that maybe there'd be a little complacency in their mind. But then on the other side, everybody's talking about 512 upsets and trying to hunt them. I do not hear people talk about this one. And I know it's the biggest spread. Uh, but Iowa is just rolling so much that I think there's an assumption that they'll move on. And Hey, I have them in the elite eight. I'm making that assumption, but uh, Richmond can be feisty. They're mega experienced. Like most of these guys have played together for four or even five seasons. Uh, so that familiarity, I think their, their Princeton type offense can get to Iowa's defense. So I, I think that one can be closer than people think it'll be really high scoring. I would imagine neither offense is going to be stopped. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I do think the Hawkeyes are playing enough to playing well enough to move on. Well, the uh, the host of this podcast is the originator of the stinky line that uh, you've heard me talk about way too much. Oh, and I'm, uh, I'm flattered to be on that. In, yes, in, in the presence. There. He's the godfather of it. Uh, as I have adopted that, uh, he has uh, taught me the ropes. South Dakota State Providence. Um, I uh, we, I was doing the uh, the bracket reveal show on on Vison on Sunday, and uh, I tweeted out Jim when this uh, pairing was announced: South Dakota State against Providence. I go, Providence is going to be two. They opened two and a half. They're now two. Um, that's wild. I mean, that is absolutely crazy to think that. Now the worry is: is this? too stinky is this a situation where the public is too on south dakota state i'm starting to get those vibes a little bit 
I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with this game, but South Dakota State is awesome. Uh, as you mentioned, they run through the Summit League. They can shoot the living daylights out of the ball in Providence. I'm a big Ed Cooley fan. Uh, they're a veteran team. They're a pain in the ass. Uh, but is this is this the spot where the magical carpet ride ends for the Friars? I, I kind of think so. Uh, and it, to be fair, it is more about South Dakota State being great to me than it is like Providence being a flawed team or lucky or anything. Uh, I, I just think the Jackrabbits are that good offensively. They, they play inside out, but when they go out, like you mentioned, they're, they're 45% from deep. Uh, a buddy of mine, Lucas Harkins, just wrote an article for Heat Check College Basketball, and he said uh, I, Providence is 2-4 and four when their opponents shoot 39% or better from three, and South Dakota State's done that in 10 straight games. Like They're an unconscious shooting team. I think Providence will struggle to deal with that. Uh, the, the, yeah, I know there's an element of thinking everybody's on the, the Jackrabbits. Like it, Maybe you, you want to go with Providence against that, but Per ESPN's bracket challenge numbers, 70% of people are, are picking Providence. So it's not like uh, everybody's rolling with the underdog there. So I feel okay uh, rolling with the Jackrabbits, taking, taking the double-digit seed that can really score there. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Ed Cooley has worked his team into a, a lather, I think, about the fact that they're, they're no, one, no one is believing them. I saw press comments right before we hopped on the pod where he was saying that, but uh, I, I don't believe in them. So sadly I'm going with the Jackrabbits. <laughs> all right, there you go. There's a 13 over four, uh, 31 and thir- one 13 all time four versus 13s or 13 versus four, but two last year, Ohio over Virginia and North Texas over Purdue, uh, one in 2019 and two in 2018. So the last three tournaments we've gotten, we have seen five number 13 seeds win and uh, and people might remember this uh, Hawaii beat Cal in 2016. Uh, Mark Turgeon's only run to the Sweet 16 as the head coach of uh, of Maryland. Well, let's get another lo- local tie in there. Uh, we got Vermont and Arkansas. Um, what's not to love about Vermont? John Becker, uh, former Gallaudet head coach. Then he was uh, an assistant uh, under uh, Mike Lonergan at uh, at Catholic U uh, and. Uh, I think he worked with my buddy uh, Steve Howes as well. Then he goes up to Vermont. He's on Lonergan's staff. Lonergan goes to GW, and he takes over, and he has been absolutely sensational. And uh, my guess would be that John Becker will be a head coach at Rhode Island or UMass or somewhere else uh, come next year. And maybe this could be the Tom Brennan walk off into the sunset. Uh, That game, I remember, 2005, 13 over four, once again, you got Vermont beating Syracuse, Sorrentine from the parking lot, uh, the iconic call from Gus Johnson. So I'm getting all those vibes, but then I look at Arkansas and I'm like, damn it, they play in a super athletic team from the SEC that can run you off the floor. Uh, the point spread is telling you that Vermont is absolutely going to be live. Only a five-point underdog here. Uh, Catamounts get it done against Arkansas? Oh, man, I, I picked Vermont here. So I, I guess I'm I'm definitely giving them a, a puncher's chance. Uh, the concern, though, yeah, the, the athletic edge, the way Arkansas can wear teams down. They did it to Colgate last year. Last year they got down 14 to Colgate, but they ended up winning by 17. A 30-point swing within that game. That tells you what, what Razorbacks are capable of doing. They, they have a lot of spurtability to them uh, with their pressure and, and the fact that they can knock down shots. So I do like Vermont because of the, the offensive prowess that they have. But this is the best team they've played since December 7th, if that matters to you. You know, three months of not really playing uh, uh, solid competition. But all that said, Becker's a great coach. They have offensive talent. They have some down transfers, which they didn't in the past. Uh, I'm buying Vermont. I'm buying into the Catamounts there. Yeah, and they're a team, um, you know, uh, that, that's been together a while. They've had a ton of success. Um Eric Musselman's already bitching and complaining about, you know, having to go to, to Buffalo, even though it's like, it, it's as if Jim Buffalo is, you know, a neighboring town to Burlington, Vermont. It's like seven hours away, man. Like relax. Musk. Yeah. I, I think we need to get him a map. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, <laughs> uh, this it's Columbus, Georgia, not Columbus, Ohio. Uh, all right. Um, other three fourteens, not as sexy. You've already talked to Illinois, Chicago, uh, Chattanooga a little bit, maybe not a great situation. And uh, Akron UCLA, take us through the zips. This is the biggest 
spread of the 13 versus four uh, has actually come down a little bit. 13 and a half, I think, is where I saw it last. So some backing maybe for the uh, the MAC champions in Akron. Uh, Akron have a chance uh, to stun the reigning Final Four participant in UCLA. Yeah, this I think they have a chance as they can make it as ugly as possible. Uh, make this a low-scoring half-court game. That's kind of an Akron's MO all season. That their conference is an up and down offense heavy league. And Akron is like the one stick in the mud exception that wants to play half court. They want to grind things out, win with defense and win in the paint. And obviously that, that worked for them in the postseason. They were able to take care of business, run all the way to the MAC title. And yeah, the, the spread is rather large. Uh, I think that's a lot of respect for UCLA. They have terrific bad shot making uh, to, to describe that. Like they take. Shots that you would question, uh, hands in the face, but they have incredible shot makers on those particular jumpers. So I think if they're a little bit cold and Akron does control the tempo and keep it in the half court, then there's a chance they could compete. Uh, got UCLA moving on, but that this is the one four thirteen, like you said, has not really been discussed uh, frequently as a potential upset. So maybe that's the one that's off the radar that surprises everyone. All right, Jim, let's... Uh... Let's power through these last uh, three because, you know, we've only seen one 16 win ever UMBC Ryan Odom now at Utah state. Uh, you know, he, I think that was, was that four years ago today? I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, so we got some three verse 14s for uh, two verse 15s, uh, three verse 14s, 22 and one twenty-two. Uh, we saw Abilene Christian do it last year. Uh, no one from 17 to 19, Stephen F. Austin with Thomas Walkup. Uh, they beat West Virginia handily and then really should have beaten Notre Dame. Uh, they, you know, Notre Dame, if I remember correct, uh, got a tip in at the buzzer. Uh, 2015, we had Georgia State over Baylor, uh, UAB over Iowa State that year. 2014 was the, uh, the wonderful Mercer over Duke situation. 2013, Harvard over New Mexico. Um, so we've seen it a handful of times, uh, three verse 14s, where are your eyes gravitating? Who's alive in this situation? Yeah. Colgate's my favorite one for, for three verse 14, uh, elsewhere though, I think Purdue just hammers Yale, like the size advantage of, of Purdue and, and Yale's just general athletic deficiencies coming out of the Ivy is going to catch up to them there. Uh, and then Longwood and Montana state. I like against the spread. I think they can hang around and, and stay within a, a rather large number for both, uh, mainly because both can shoot and both are at least feisty in the paint. They're not going to get demolished inside the way that I think Yale will. Uh, but I don't, I don't think either of those has a great shot to actually pull off the upset. Uh, so really the only 14 seed I see as live would, would be Colgate taking on Wisconsin. I'm not worried about it being in Milwaukee. I think the Raiders and their lethal offense can give Wisconsin a lot of troubles, a team that's played close game after close game this season. You don't want to let Colgate hang around because they'll hit a couple of big shots late and then suddenly uh, suddenly it's over. So I'm all in a Colgate, so they'll probably lose by 40. Um, here's why. Uh, third longest winning streak in the country, 15 straight games, ran through the Patriot League. Really no close games in, the, uh, in that conference tournament. They proved that they were the best. Second in the country in three-point percentage, 40%. As I mentioned, I love backing teams that can shoot. If they're cold, well, we're screwed. But if they're hot, never know. That's why it's an upset. And we're um, having fun if they're hot. That's what we want. <laughs> fifth in the country in assists. Uh, they start three seniors and two juniors. So this is a team that's been together forever. Uh, you know, I think Matt Langle, another coach, probably his, his days are short, uh, at Colgate. He's been there forever. And look, I mean, I know Syracuse isn't an NCAA tournament team, but they went to the carrier drum and dropped a hundred on the, on the orange earlier this year. So they've beaten, you know, good teams before, um, they went to the tournament last year, as we talked about against Arkansas. So, and, and if Johnny Davis isn't healthy, it's a, it's a whole new world there. So we've seen the number come up a little bit to eight. So maybe he will be healthy. Um, but yeah, I think Colgate not only covers, I think they have a chance to win this game outright. Yep. I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on that one. Uh, I just think Wisconsin not being able to lay over them athletically the same way that Arkansas did last year. I mentioned that 30 point swing in that game, Wisconsin, I, I don't think has that kind of juice to wear them down with pressure and, and size and athleticism. 
And Colgate does have two 6'10 centers that uh, are very competitive inside. They kind of play a little platoon up front and then have four shooters around them. So they, they can compete a little bit inside, maybe more than they're getting credit for. And then the shooting. The shooting is the big, the big story for the Raiders there. 15 seeds, nine wins all time. One last year, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, then made the run. Uh, Middle Tennessee hammered Michigan State. Remember where they were bitching about not getting a one seed, and then the Blue Raiders beat them by double figures. Florida Gulf Coast, uh, that one rings in my brain quite well. I'm sure a lot of listeners. Uh, it was my bachelor party uh, in, uh, in Dewey Beach, and we're watching all these games. My best friend, is uh, he leaves to go, to go to the starboard to watch his beloved Hoyas get their ass kicked by Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, he, uh, he walked back in a drunken stupor. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Rory. Uh, and then Lehigh and Norfolk State. I know Norfolk State hurts you. Uh, with Missouri, but the good thing was Duke lost that night. So, you know, the shine on your alma mater, Missouri, uh, didn't really come true. Of the 15s out there, who is the liveliest or the or just the best, I guess, if you want to say that? Uh, the best team is probably Jacksonville State and the liveliest, I would say. Uh, and it's funny, they're the only team that didn't actually win a conference tournament to be in the field. Yes. Uh, they they lost mine. The, yep. Lost in the semis to Jacksonville, but made it because of a, a rules technicality where the champion, Bellarmine, is not eligible for the NCAA tournament. But Jacksonville State has some size. They have a, a UNC transfer, 6'10, 260 pounder that anchors the paint. And then, as I mentioned, a ton of shooters around him. They will pack the paint defensively, play a little zone. And Tim, we know Auburn just loves to fire up bad threes. Yes, they, 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 they fall in love with it. And if they're off, if they're cold, that creates a very high variance game here where Jacksonville State could potentially be feisty. So I like them to cover. Uh, maybe I'll put a little bit of sprinkling on the Ooh. on the money line, be spicy. And as I mentioned, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be all over that first to 15 points in that game. All right, let's uh, let's let's take one more final break here with Jim Root, and uh, we will give out our favorite plays. Sure to go wrong. What can go wrong? But our favorite bets of the first round. We don't want to make this exclusively gambling. Hopefully uh, you took some notes and uh, helps out your bracket. But one more final break here on the Sheehan podcast. And uh, we'll take a look at some of our favorite bets of the first round. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Jim. Uh, we have talked long enough, uh, probably bored people to death. It's that time of year, man. It's it's college basketball season. I, I know, you know, Sheehan would have spent a handful of minutes talking about the Wizards and their meltdown somewhere. Uh, but we're, we're focusing on college hoops. We'll talk plenty of NFL. I'm hoping uh, to figure things out to get Sean on the podcast. Sean King, who uh, ripped the hearts of many Redskin fans out back in, uh, I think it was 2000, uh, in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. But uh, a exclusive college hoop pod today, hopefully help you out. So let's get to some of our favorite bets uh, of the opening round. I mentioned Colgate. Uh, they're an eight point underdog. Um, you know, I, I think as a 14 seed, only catching eight is telling you something. So I do like Colgate quite a bit. Uh, that was my first bet. Went down to seven and a half, back up to eight, which I don't love, but uh, I will roll with Colgate. Uh, we can kind of alternate back and forth. So I'll go Colgate plus eight. What is one of your favorite plays of the opening round? The first tip on Friday, first one to go, Loyola, Chicago, Ohio State. I'm taking the Ramblers. I love this matchup for them. They've got a, a great two-time defensive player of the year, a great option to throw at Ohio State's Malachi Branham, their only real offensive creator. Uh, Loyola has a ton of big game experience. L L Williamson, that, that defender, he played in the 2018 Final Four. He's been around <laughs> yeah. forever. And then uh, most of their starting lineup is back from the Sweet 16 last year. So I, I trust Loyola and, and Ohio State's kind of fading. They took some tough losses late in the year. They lost to Maryland, as I'm sure the listeners here are very fond of. Uh, and then they have some injuries. Zed Key, Kyle Young, their two best big men dealing with an ankle and a concussion, respectively. 
So I think everything sets up well for Loyola Chicago. They're basically a pick them minus one. So for, for bracket and betting purposes, just got to win, baby. Yeah. And uh, I love those little factoids, you know, because of the COVID year, uh, players have been around for, for ages. It feels like Lucas Williamson was on the final four team. And actually I looked it up. I mean, he was a key contributor. I think he played over 20 minutes in every game in that run. I don't, he wasn't a starter, but it was a key contributor uh, for the Ramblers. I'm with you. Uh, I actually wrote that up for, for our website. I like you pointing out the times. Okay. So Ohio state Loyola first game on Friday, uh, Wisconsin Colgate. Look, what could go wrong, Jim, for all of these listeners at 10 o'clock on Friday, you know, them saying, ah, Tim told me to take Colgate. All right, let's turn this game on. So I'm sure nothing could go terribly wrong at 1130 when Johnny Davis has gone for 47 points and they're up, you know, the Badgers are up by 35, but I like the Raiders maybe too much. All right, let's, um, let's go over to a Thursday game. This is also late night on Thursday and uh, you can maybe double down on it too. I know you like it. Um, Murray state. Uh, this is a team. Uh, you remember when they had John ja Morant um, and they beat Marquette in the first round and lost to Florida state. Uh, what was that? You know, 2018, I think. Um, yeah. It was the year that was it 19 or 18. I think it was nine. I think it was 19, 19. Yep. Yeah. 19. Um, you know, the leading scorer in that game against Marquette was, Tevin Brown, who's still on the team. K.J. Williams, still on the team. Both of those guys were starters. Uh, you know, Murray State enters with, uh, I believe, the second longest winning streak in the country. Uh, they've got big wins over tournament teams. They beat Memphis, even though they might have been a bit disarray at the time. Uh, they beat Chattanooga. Uh, I like Murray State. And uh, you know, San Francisco, coming out of the West Coast Conference, battle-tested, um, you know, lost to Loyola, in a non-con game, but, uh, you know, played Gonzaga well in that title game. They're dealing with injuries, and I think if they're big boy, um, who you can maybe shed a little bit more light on just who he is, but the, the transfer from San Diego is a blocking shot-blocking machine. He didn't play against Gonzaga. If he's not playing or if he's, you know, limited, I think K.J. Williams could, could kind of eat him up inside. So I like Murray State as a short favorite against San Francisco. Yep, that's that's big. Yayan Masalski is who you're referring to, uh, a big Eastern Euro dude. Yeah, he he had a knee issue that you know I saw him during the Gonzaga game. I was at the arena and he looked like he was limping around. Didn't look like he was uh, even able to walk smoothly. So uh, you know, this is a little over a week later. Maybe he's rested up and is going to give it a go. But I can't imagine he's 100. percent That leaves them a little exposed up front. And I just, I buy this Murray State team, man. I'm picking up what they're putting down. They've got shooting. They've got guards. They've got depth. Their sixth man is a South Carolina transfer, Trey Hannibal, and he gives them a lot of pop off the bench. That just tells you how good they are, that a guy from South Carolina is their their sixth man coming in and giving them a boost. So, yeah, as much as I love San Francisco, and I kind of hope their coach is the coach of my alma mater next season. Uh, if he wants to come on <laughs> some, down to Mizzou. Some Maryland fans might be thinking that Todd Golden should be the next head coach of Maryland here. All right, I'll, I'll fight you for him, Terrapin fans. <laughs> uh, I would love him at Mizzou. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love both teams, but I think Murray State just has the, the health edge and a little bit of a, a matchup edge as well. All right, so uh, I'm on Murray State, um, you know, Money line, yeah, what, minus 120 or so. They were actually, it's a flip of favorites, so you've seen money come in on Murray State. I just think with the uh, the injury concerns there, uh, I took the eight with Colgate. You are in on Loyola, as am I. Uh, another one, Mr. Root, that you like. I'll go St. Mary's. We talked mm. about it a little bit earlier. Indiana having the tough travel and prep situation. Headed all the way out to Portland to take on a mega well-coached Gales team. Uh, and I know we talked about my Elite Eight run I have out of St. Mary's, but they can't get to the to the Elite Eight unless they win this game. And they're laying about two and a half or three points. Uh, if you want to just take the money line, and I think it's probably like minus 140, 150 or so, I would be okay with that as well. I just think they're a, a mirror image of Indiana in a much better version, a much smarter, uh, more disciplined, patient version than Indiana. They're going to make the Hoosiers take some really tough shots there. That's what their defense is known for. So, yeah, I'll go Gales. All right, my final one of the first round. You know what? It's a late-night game, Friday night. Uh, I've already got Colgate. Why not add on to another underdog? What could possibly go wrong? Give me the jelly man, jelly walker. I'll take the eight-and-a-half against Houston. 
Um, I know that spread is it's a little bigger uh, than maybe uh, some people might expect. Uh, the advanced numbers love Houston, as as Jim mentioned. Uh, me and him are a little against each other on this one, which is uh, it's not a place I like to be. But I'm gonna take the Jelly Man UAB. Give me the eight and a half. That is a, a late night Friday tip. So all my games uh, falling in the uh, in the evening hours there. So uh, you got a you got a final final best bet that you like or favorite play. Yep, I'll dish out one more, uh, and it is an under. I think there's not going to be a lot of points in Seton Hall, TCU. You know me, Tim. I, I love, love unders. Under. I do. I, I think it's easier to spot the teams that can't score than the ones that are going to be in a shootout and hope for, for hot shooting. Uh, but, yeah, Seton Hall, TCU, 8-9 game. I believe this one is also late on Friday night. Uh, maybe even the nightcap. You're familiar with the nightcap. I am. I am. Murray. It's a good show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Quality show. Uh, I, neither team can really score in the paint here. Both both defenses are geared to keep teams out of the paint, to protect the paint. Uh, TCU maybe has a route to points via offensive rebounding, but not a lot of jump shooting on the court here and not a lot of offensive execution and creation. So I think around 129, 130, wherever the total you see is at, I think that's a pretty solid bet to see a, a brick fest to end the first round there. All right, so I will go Colgate plus eight. Murray State money line, and I will take the points with UAB as my three favorite plays of the first round. Jim, just a, a, a quick recap of the three plays that uh, jump out you the most. Yep. Loyola Chicago, pick them or minus one. St. Mary's minus two and a half or minus three. And then TCU Seton Hall under 130. All right. Uh, I think think the people will be satisfied hopefully uh they they learned a little bit more one final nugget uh, or question michigan uh announcing their point guard uh dealing with a concussion won't play against colorado state this is the first game on thursday so the first game of the dance i really liked michigan as the host of this podcast would say the 11 seed is laying two and a half that stinks uh but now he being out uh how big of a loss is this for michigan against colorado state I think it matters a lot, and mainly because he was playing so well. Down the stretch, he was great for them, averaged about 16 points, six assists over the final three or so weeks of the season, and really started to light their, their pick-and-roll offense on fire there in, in a good way. Um, so without him, they've got to really reshuffle the attack, maybe play through the paint more. Uh, I already sort of leaned Colorado State at mm, plus 2.5 because okay. I just thought it was a, a coin flip. Uh, and then when I got this info, I, I did end up taking the plus 2.5 it's not available anymore. I think it's you know, down closer to one, one and a half, but uh, leaning towards Colorado State there because of that injury absence for Michigan. All right. And then if people are listening to this before uh, tonight's game, um, Notre Dame Rutgers, uh, what do you expect there? I think Rutgers sucks on the road. They're great at home. Um, Notre Dame shouldn't be in the field of 68. And I'm a Notre Dame fan. Uh, you look at the resumes. Uh, it's laughable that Texas A&M is not in over them, but hey, here they are. And these are the types of teams, Jim, it always feels like, you know, you, we, we bitch and complain like, oh, this team shouldn't be in. And then they go on a run. I don't know if Notre Dame has that in them, uh, but what do you see in the uh, in the first four tonight for those who may be uh, listening to this uh, before the game? Uh, I, I'm guessing Rutgers wins. Uh, that's who I have picked. I'm, I'm not confident enough to recommend that as like a wager or anything, but I think Tim, I think we see another under in the first four here. I think there's going to be a, a dearth of points in this one. Uh, both teams can really frustrate the other's offense with some physicality and, and Notre Dame will go zone a lot against Rutgers. And that's, that's going to be a problem for the Scarlet Knights and their lack of shooting. So yeah, I, I think the under pretty solid slow half court game with not a lot of points. And just to piss off the people listening, uh, hey, maybe Maryland, maybe you're watching your next head coach there on the sidelines there. I'm sure <laughs> Maryland fans are super thrilled about uh, former uh, DeMatha uh, coach or DeMatha grad in, uh, in Mike Bray. But maybe Mike Bray will just go back to his alma mater at George Washington. Maybe that's uh, the route that he'll go. All right, Jim, I have held you way, way too long. You're the man. Uh, follow Jim on Twitter at Second Chance Points. Check out the website 3-man-weave.com or follow them on Twitter. What You'll have how many countless uh, videos up on the three-man weave Twitter feed? Yeah, as many as possible. We'll, we'll retweet them all from all the other places that we've got them posted. We have some write-ups, little uh, 
like matchup keys for every single first round game on our website. Uh, we've got picks out at Action Network, at PicksWise, some podcasts coming all over the place. Um, yeah, it's all kind of aggregated through that three-man week Twitter feed. So if, if you're interested in looking for more of this kind of discussion, that's that's where you can find it. All right, that gentleman is Jim uh, Jim Root. Three-man weave, I'm Tim Murray, filling in for Kevin. I'll be back on Thursday and Friday and Monday. Uh, we'll maybe get an Aaron involved a little bit. Uh, I'm hoping to have my partner in crime, Sean King, relive that Redskins-Buccaneers divisional game that uh, upended so many uh, evenings uh, at a CYO basketball game. We're hoping to figure that out. But for Jim, I'm Tim. We will talk to you on Thursday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.